0: radio begins in three two one
1: Welcome to Virtual Reality Church. Welcome to our virtual church. Is there some type of way for a virtual congregation? You're not a
0: congregation if you don't congregate. When you combine this access with the loss of the local, I become my own confession, and I go around the World Wide Web listening for echoes that say back to me what I've already decided to believe. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Frio. Let's do this. It's the the Wretched Radio, Mail Call, Delivery Bag, been. QA, Infotainment, Nationwide Extravaganza, featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and misses. Any special message for all the kids watching at home. What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have twelve hundred messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd, freakishly tall
2: Friel. The mail is here! Ooh you working on uh, you okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, no i'm working on taking more medication and this is wretched radio the voice you're just heard comes courtesy of zizol or whatever the post-nasal drip medicine is that is a must if you're going to live in georgia in the spring please send questions comments conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org <laughs> and i didn't believe you when i first moved mm-hmm. You didn't, did you? No, I didn't. How's your car looking today? Uh, green. Exactly. <laughs> and you, you will get to the point because you know that this drags on for six, eight, whatever weeks it is. You go, well, I'll just wait till it's done to get your car washed. And then one day you walk out to your car and go, I can't take this anymore. You need to snap and you go get it washed. And by the time you get out of the parking lot, the thing is covered in green <laughs> schmutz again. Idea at wretched.org. All
1: right. We start with Ethan. Todd, uh, how does one give all glory to God in the best and most impactful way possible?
2: Oh, I've got that one, Jimmy. Mm. I have so got that. You visit wretched.org slash career. I think that's what it is. If you would like to work at this year ministry, production manager, marketing coordinator, all kinds (laughs) of careers here at wretched.org slash careers, that is how you can glorify God.
1: That's your final answer.
2: Well, no but i had to sneak in that, <laughs> that announcement so there it goes it doesn't matter what job it is it really doesn't i, I in fact i'm i might hmm, i was going to say i might go so far to say that if you are doing something with the right motivation the right attitude whether it is secular or sacred if you will because Everything is to be sacred for the Christian, but doing holy things—you're doing church work versus you are mowing your lawn. I'm, I'm really tempted to say it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing as much as your attitude that motivates your actions. We do things under the Lord. That's why First Corinthians ten—it's whether you eat or drink. It's mundane stuff because you look at eating and it's like. Okay, how does putting a French fry in your mouth glorify God? It's your attitude. It is your heart. It is not the activity. So, in the morn with Jesus rise and when day is ended, be to him commanded. Something like that. You can, you can Google that hymn. Do it unto the Lord when you wake up. Say, Lord, I'm doing everything today for you bless my labors and efforts and accept them as an act of worship. And then do that throughout the course of the day, because whatever you do, you can do it for the glory of God. And by the way, that'll be a sin curber. That's right. A sin curber for you. If you say to the Lord in the morning, everything I put my hands to Lord, I'm going to do it unto you for you. Pretty hard to put your digits onto the clacker machine to pull up pornography when you promise the Lord everything you're going to be doing today will be for his glory. Begin your day throughout the day, end your day, and your entire life will be an act of worship a la Romans 12, one and two, to the Lord. Idea at wretched.org.
1: All right, this one is from Debbie. Todd, it seems I've been asked this question quite a lot lately. Will we know each other in heaven? Yes. We have the same relationships like mother, son, husband, wife.
2: Yes. 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 Now, what is the living configuration? I don't know. And we do need to remember... All of our relationships with everybody is going to be deep and sweet, but we do not get a brain swipe when we enter heaven. We don't forget everything. Our history and our memories, they will be intact, and you are going to know your mom. You're going to see your dad. You are going to meet your children that perhaps you lost in infancy. We go to heaven and we will know things and those relationships will be sweet. Now, having said that, so will all of our other relationships. One of the principles I think is most helpful when it comes to considering heaven and our activities, what will we be doing? Why would there be less in heaven than there is on earth? Why would God have us have relationships to just, they're all gone for eternity? Nope, that wasn't real no we won't have less in heaven than we have on earth idea at wretched looks like you wanted to say something
1: no i didn't want to say no you did no i was just going to remind you about the randy alcorn book heaven
2: (laughs) 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 which you can get at (laughs) wretched.org while you're sending stuff to idea at wretched.org all
1: right this is from teddy Mr. 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 Friel, I'm wondering what the difference is between apostasy and a period of lowness
2: in my zeal for God. No, apostasy is denying the Lord, saying that you don't believe in him, you reject him, and then you go about willful sinning. You adopt something that's really wonky theologically. In other words, you become a heretic and you apostatize But Christians, they can go through peaks and valleys. I would encourage you, don't look for the peaks and try to avoid the valleys by being consistent with the means of growth. Reading your Bible, praying, fellowshipping with one another, watching baptisms, participating in the Lord's table, listening to oodles of preaching. And that will keep you steadier, and it will mostly keep you out of the valleys. But when you go into one, a season of the blues, that's not apostasy. A season of being lackluster and not enthusiastic, that's not apostasy. What should you do in those times? Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you recall earlier this week Dr. Greg Gifford's podcast Transformed with Dr. Gifford, you can find it at your podcast machine wherever you do that sort of thing, was talking about habit forming. Based it on Philippians 2. You just do it. You just do it. You just do it. And and the Lord will help you to keep doing it and then as you keep doing it you're going to enjoy doing it because you're being obedient. Stay steady. Keep your hand on the plow. You say, but I, I'm flatlining here. I would, act, okay, I'll go out on the limb and say this. The child who continues to be obedient and faithful, despite their lack of desire and motivation and joyful duty, might just well be more pleasing than the one who's like, yeah, baby, feeling good. Let's open up the Bible and get to it, kids. Because you're being faithful. Persevere. And the Lord, I don't, I don't know that I can say 100% of the time will help you out of the valley because I don't know what his plans are for you, but if you are in a valley, that's his plan for you. Don't just stay there. Don't mope. Don't become passive. Actively continue with the means of growth. And and he'll take you up to a place that is a greener pasture. And if it's not in this lifetime, it will be in the life to come where you will know your mother and father and kids and everybody else that you've met on this earth. Idea at Wretched.org. That was a twofer. It See was. What I did right there. I saw
1: it. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. This next one is from Alan. Ton, recently you shared statistics about suicide and depression among young people. And I just can't stop meditating on it. Um, What are the rules for evangelizing at or near schools? Okay,
2: I'm I'm not even kidding about this one. Seriously. In fact, this is why the book that was written and (laughs) we really we should do a campaign on this. We really should. We were going to about three years ago. Well, I guess it was March 2020. That's when the covid business started. And we were all getting new wave after of information after another. I had written a booklet called Thirteen Reasons Why You Should Not Commit Suicide, Thirteen Reasons Why Why You Should Live. I think that's it. There that stupid TV series that they had promoting suicide. It's a play on that title. I wrote it, we were going to do a massive distribution of the campuses, and then COVID hit. <laughs> so we, we've got them in the warehouse. If you want to go to a campus and you want to engage kids, I kid you not, get that booklet, hand it to them. And here's a little trick for you. You want to engage them in a conversation, hand it to them and don't let go. Hold on to it, make them look at it. Hey, do you ever struggle with this? You will be shocked. We are living in a time when younger people, they are more than happy to share how they are doing. Series I've done it countless times. Hey, could I ask you a question? Um, okay. Do you ever feel depressed or suicidal or know somebody who does? Yeah, actually I do. And boom, you, you are in, it is a great way to evangelize kids. They're lacking purpose without Christ or adults. There's no transcendence to life. They're not plugged into a local church. There's no community that's real and genuine for them. It is an outstanding way to go to a campus. I'm get a case of them. Just get a case of them and you go to a university campus, go the day before, do reconnaissance, look for the traffic flow to see where the kids are coming, going most, and at what time. You get out there and get ready to go to work because you will give so, hey, get one of these. Hey, oh, wait a second, you didn't get one of these. Hey, you forgot this. And you will give away, in an hour, you you could probably give away all of them. Not kidding. Available at wretched.org. You're welcome. This is Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Has 106 left. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania all over eastern europe and now in africa would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both africa and eastern europe tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched
1: Hey, thanks for joining us on Ratchet Radio today. First, I want to say thank you for all of the resources you guys have picked up from Ratchet.org. We are so grateful for folks like you and Mike, who recently emailed and said, thank you for preaching the truth and guiding me into developing a biblical lens. Well, Mike, we also want to thank you for your faithful support. Now, we do have a little request. As you know, we're a ministry, a 501c3 nonprofit, and we solely rely on your support to produce programs like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. You know, we're all about reaching millions of lost souls with the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ through compelling, efficient, and sound productions. But we can't do it without you. We would be thrilled if you would prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. So what do you say? Are you ready to join us on this eternity-shaking mission? Just head to wretched.org slash donate and become a Wretched Gospel Partner. Wretched! Amazing grace, amazing
2: gospel. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared Bible. Know
0: your church fathers. Justin Martyr was a second century apologist who was converted after seeing the courage and devotion of Christian martyrs. He earned his surname when he was executed for his faith. When asked to renounce his faith, he responded, no one in their right mind turns from true belief to false belief. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: What
2: are you, Todd? Yeah. What, what are you waiting on? I'm waiting on you. On me? To apologize. This is Wretched Radio, hoping you'll send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at and hoping that Jimmy will actually read the entire question before he accuses me of not answering the question when he didn't even ask it.
1: <laughs> you know, I can't say anything to you in private without you telling everybody.
2: That, but that... you. <laughs> You scolded me because somebody <laughs> asked about how to reach people on the campuses because of the suicide rates. Right. I answered that question. And then this is Wretched Radio with my newfound baritone voice. <laughs> and you said you didn't answer the question. And I said, what question didn't I answer? And you said, what are the rules for evangelizing at or near high schools?" But you never asked that part.
1: You cut me off. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so back to Alan's question. <laughs> It's the talk show host you
2: gave me, Lord.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He wanted to know the rules for evangelizing at or near high schools. If you have any tips that you can offer about doing it without
2: disobeying authorities. Well, you're not disobeying the authorities when you're on public space. You can be on a sidewalk. You can even be on the grass. When I go to a university campus, I tend to stay on the sidewalks. It could just be a feeling, but it just seems like it's that's like, okay, this is a public sidewalk as opposed to being like in the university. But if you are at a public university, you're in a public place. I sometimes I actually am tempted to go inside the buildings because, hey, I don't need to be a student to be in this building because my tax dollars go to this building So you legally can go anywhere you want on university campus. But be wise, be strategic, find where the kids are, where they're moving and just get on the sidewalk. I tend to stay away from the buildings, but you don't have to necessarily I I just try to avoid where a professor or a school official might be walking by and get close. And then you got the authorities and the police involved. I, I just try to be strategic and wise about it and then engage the kids without blocking the traffic flow. That's a no, no. If you impede the kid's ability to get to classroom. That's forbidden. If you make so much noise that students in the classroom can't hear what they're paying for, that's forbidden. Those two rules are very reasonable, but you have every single right to be there. What happens if the police approach you? Well, you can go watch my encounter with the police at Clemson University. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> be polite. Don't ever, don't, don't argue. Don't fight. You just. I just want you to know, officer, I am so on your team. I so appreciate what police do. I'm, I'm one of those guys that's all for you guys. I, I, don't, I don't want to defund you a nickel. In fact, I'd like to fund you more because we could use more of you in our neighborhood or some speed bumps, but I'll deal with that personal issue later. Be polite and just ask, sir, all I would ask is for you to cite what law I'm breaking. And if they can't cite a law, you could say, sir, with without the ability to cite a law, I I I I I know that you can't stop me from doing this. Now I want to be obedient, but I, I gotta have a law here. I did that I recall that happening once at Georgia Tech. It was two police officers. And when I was talking to them like that, in very short order, the one guy goes, Um, look, um, They're just watching us right now. And if you could maybe just you know, go over there, that would be so helpful. You got it, dude. I just went over there and carried on. Be polite. Be respectful. If you get stopped and if they ultimately say, look, I'm not going to cite a law, whatever. I guess you can choose to say then you can arrest me or you can say I'm going to obey you even though I believe what you are doing is wrong. I just want to make sure I've got that badge number. And your name is, and we had this conversation at this time, and you can choose to pursue it legally afterwards, but I think we should obey the guy who is the authority, who is commanding us to do something. If you think that he's wrong in his request or his command, then obey it and pick it up later if you choose to. Idea at wretched.org. All
1: right. uh, This is from Cooper. Uh, Todd. Someone I
2: believe to be a brother
1: in Christ thinks that since the law of Moses can be used as a guideline for our own government, we should push for the mm-hmm. death penalty for things like adultery or using God's name in vain.
2: Yeah. Well, it depends on how you arrive at that. Can read the. Qu- I want to be really specific about this, Jimmy. Read that question again.
1: Someone I believe to be a brother in Christ yeah. thinks that since the law of Moses can be used as a guideline for our own government.
2: Well, see, that's that's what I was kind of going, nah, nah, nah. see, imposing those things on the government as if it is their duty to uphold all Mosaic law. That I don't agree with, but I do agree that there are principles in the Mosaic law that should be carried forward. But specifically regarding the death penalty, you find that outside of the Mosaic law. You find that in Genesis chapter 9, you find it in Romans 13. It appears that God is in favor of the death penalty when a life is taken. And I think that we should be telling our government hey, honor life. That individual who did that brutal thing. They forfeited their life. We are telling you that you should bear the sword on these people because the capital punishment precept, it's not just the Mosaic law. Jimmy, I don't know. Did you cover that story of that 13-year-old girl who was found in a shed after X number of months? Yes. I think she was originally living in Texas. Some creeper took her, abused her, had her tight living in a shed in North Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that there are more things that human beings can do to other human beings that call for the death penalty. You say, where do you get that? I say, well, I would return to the Mosaic law. And we do see for the right ordering of society, there are times when it is good and right for the sake of society to get rid of people who are just bad to the bone. And we can petition the government to do that. But as far as saying that the Mosaic law is to be implemented in America the same way that it was implemented in Israel, I believe would be a confusion over the nation of Israel, who those people are, what that entity is, and what the church entity is. The church is one foundation. Jesus Christ, our Lord, she is his new creation. The church isn't Israel. And America certainly isn't Israel. Idea at org. All right. Uh, this
1: comes from Adrian. Todd, recently employees within my work group decided that they want to form a union
2: to argue for better wages. Mm-hmm. Should Christians take part in unions? It, it really depends on the union. And what their modus operandi is, because if it's threatening, I don't believe that the Christian should take part in that. I believe that you can plead with your boss, you can petition, you can show them why. But to gather for the sake of might to get more money, I I, I just don't think that that is the way the Christian should go about the business of looking for what they believe to be fair compensation. It doesn't mean you can't ask. But when we threaten, if that's what the union looks like, I would I personally would say I I couldn't join and participate in a union like that. But as long as the name Adrian was being raised, I was just thinking about Adrian. You you don't you don't remember Adrian, do you? I do not. Adrian was a young man who joined us here at Wretched when he was 18 years old. (laughs) I remember the first day I met him picked him up at the station and he had his, he had his backpack and a skateboard. He'd, he'd flown in from Minnesota and he joined us. And within two years, I believe could be a little off on this. Now uh, he got married and started having babies, married the pastor's daughter, started having babies, but that's not what I was recalling. I was remembering how many times I would come into the office and there was Adrian asleep on the couch. Wasn't the middle of the day. It was first thing in the morning. Because he stayed there overnight. It was when he was single. He would stay overnight to get stuff done. Hey, be encouraged by that. He's a millennial. And he actually has a commitment to work. That's refreshing. <laughs> Idea at
1: wretched.org. All right. This next one comes from Daniel. Mr. 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 Friel I am about to embark on a six to eight month missionary trip to witness to pe- the people of Thailand. I'm a father of three little ones, one, four and eight. My wife is Thai. And um, so I'm assuming that the whole family's going. But he's wondering how best to prepare for the trip. Uh, that's
2: Interesting. I think that I have one one shot that I would take. Family, family, family. If your wife and her family, they're from Thailand and you are going there, oh, press into that. I don't know if there's going to be language barrier issues, but let your kids be surrounded by family, taking them overseas for a trip like that. That ain't no small thing. Even with young kids, you think they're oblivious. It's just there's a mojo about it that is different. It's out of sync press into family, let them surround you, let them help you, ask them to do that. Please be a part of our time here together. Would you please help us with it? Can our kids spend time with you? Because you can't do anything better for your kids, in my opinion, than surround them with family. And I hope you're doing it as a part of a church. I would say that regarding the church family. Please, we're here. We'd we, we, we love your engagement in our family while we are here trying to serve the local church. Family, family, family. Stay safe and use the law before the gospel. This is Wretched Radio.
1: And it's time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start in Maryland, actually Montgomery County, Maryland, where a teacher thought it was just a swell and dandy idea to hop on TikTok, create a video that called for violent revolution against capitalism. Yet yeah, this teacher actually said that she wished other teachers would use their classrooms to turn students into anti-racist activists. Uh, here I was all along thinking teachers were supposed to use their classrooms to make the kids, I don't know, educated? Silly me. Well, in a twist no one saw coming, Stacey Abrams, who is still dusting herself off after her second gubernatorial loss in Georgia, now is on the front lines once again, and this time, she's taking on the real environmental villain, gas stoves. Forget about any type of pollution. Super Stacey says those pesky kitchen appliances are the ones that need the timeout, and apparently she expects to have the problem solved pretty quickly. So get ready. Soon, we'll all be cooking with the power of friendship or something. I don't know. And there's good news out of New York where Shia Rashik, who owns the popular anti-woke Twitter account libs of TikTok, she's serving up this weekend a family-friendly alternative to the New York Attorney General's Drag Story Hour. Actually, she's advertised her own event that's taking place at the exact same time just right down the road from the drag events. That is good news. And hopefully this sparks something across the country. And if you missed it, there is one college professor out there that has a very good grasp on nonsense. Professor Chantel Tibbles from Oki Dental College or Ocedental. I don't really know how to pronounce that, but that's where she's from. And she is claiming that your neat as a pen and organized pantry is steeped in racism and sexism. So this weekend, before you try to alphabetize your canned vegetables, you might actually be fueling oppression. Oppressing who? I don't know, and it really doesn't matter anymore, does it? Hell, on the legal front, Jerry Falwell Jr. making headlines again as he is suing Liberty University, saying they owe him a cool $8.5 million in retirement. Yeah, maybe he needs to also try to find someone to pass around a collection plate just in case this also doesn't go his way. And finally, the Dallas Mavericks are reportedly throwing $25,000 at Planned Parenthood. But then across the country, we have a poor life group in Ohio who's launched a multi-million dollar ad campaign aimed at defeating an amendment to the Ohio Constitution that would allow babies to be murdered all the way up to birth. So I'm not here to tell anybody what to do with their money, but look at the difference here. 25000 dollars being given to a murder mill five million dollars being spent in an attempt to stop baby murder every life is precious and some people are just willing to put their money and resources behind that belief in a major way and that's been wretched news more wretched radio straight ahead i'm jimmy hicks
0: important dates in christian history 1678 John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress is published. Written while Bunyan was in prison for preaching the gospel, this allegorical tale of the Christian life becomes second in international circulation, exceeded only by the Bible. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh boy. One, eight, seven, seven, two, eight, two,
2: wretched radio sure it could be because i'm wearing a sweater we're getting whiplash here in georgia overnight we're freezing you gotta cover the plants the next day you put on sunscreen maybe that's why i'm sweating or it could be because of your phone calls i don't know what it is but you make me just a little bit spritzy because i know you and i know you're smart that scares me. Nevertheless, one eight seven seven two eight two beep one eight seven. What is with the smirky look on your face?
1: I don't have a smirk. I, <laughs> I just I laugh at your nervousness.
2: Oh, so you're relishing yeah, well, the I, fact that it's like
1: I've, I've
2: heard these. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the Christian love. Uh,
1: I wanted to comment on about your criticism of the chosen. I understand your concern. However, when I talk to people about Jesus, I usually don't quote exactly the words of Jesus. I mean, I try to say them as closely as I can and convey the context and the meaning. But you're starting to sound a little bit like the elder brother and the prodigal son, A little bit bitter about the popularity of the chosen and then pointing people to Christ Jesus. I understand the problem, but people are watching They're talking about Jesus and they're hearing the
2: gospel. But what Jesus is it? Who is that Jesus? That is a Jesus who is speaking the word of authors, of individuals who, best I can tell, aren't necessarily theologically robust in background or training. And we we the Jesus that is being presented there, it's not just sort of paraphrasing the Bible a little bit, it is putting words whole cloth, new ideas and concepts into his mouth. Now, I know they say it's biblically informed, but even Christianity today, and that's saying a lot, even Christianity today hinted at the challenge and the danger of doing what the chosen does. The title of their article was Where Angels Fear to Tread. And it was an interview with the guys who write it. And they made it clear that this is drama. This is this is supposed to be entertainment. They don't want to point to the divinity of Jesus. They are just looking to show Jesus that he's, you know, really kind of likable. But they're putting words in his mouth. I would ask you this, sir. You do that. I, I want you to write a five minute dialogue or a five minute speech that Jesus would give. And none of none of it is, you can't go to Matthew 5, 6, 7. You can't do that. Just go ahead, write a new message for him. Would you even take me up on that challenge? I hope you would go. Ah, and that's my concern. And so when you've got people who are putting words into the mouth of Jesus Christ, and presenting him in a way that they think makes him attractive. And that is right because he is attractive. Um, you're creating a Jesus that isn't the Jesus of the Bible. So when I hear people say, oh, it just really helps me to like Jesus more. It's like, well, no, it's actually helping me to like that Jesus more. We have enough in the word of God. This is a sufficiency issue. Do we not have enough information about Jesus and everybody who is digging it and feeling like they're getting fed by it, I really think it would be a worthwhile, healthy exercise to ask why. Why am I looking for an outside visual source with made-up words from Jesus when I have got four biographies on him? Why isn't that enough? And, sir, if I if I could, as far as uh, what was it, that I'm the older brother and the prodigal son? Yeah. Uh-huh. That I'm somehow jealous of it. No, I'm thrilled when a ministry promotes Jesus. Okay, Living Waters, love those guys, would bend over backwards for those guys, would promote those guys all day, every day. I don't, they're bigger than we are. They've got more YouTube subscribers. Praise God for that. When it's the right Jesus, we celebrate that and we rejoice. That is Philippians. That is also Luke, (laughs) that when maybe it was around ah, 13 give or it, it's in the teens maybe 19 where hey hey those people they're doing miracles and they're not a part of our group. Jesus basically said to the disciples don't don't you worry about that just because they're not a part of us we celebrate that they're doing work and Paul said the same thing in Philippians some are preaching out of jealousy some are preaching out of false motives. But Paul said I don't care but here's the key because I rejoice that the gospel is going forth despite motives. But notice it was the right gospel going forth, not false teaching, not imagined teaching, but true teaching. He rejoiced, even though the people who were doing it were really not very nuts about Paul. And so I hope my attitude isn't the elder brother and the prodigal son. I want I want Jesus to go forth. That's what we do here all the time. It just has to be the right Jesus. And as you're watching The Chosen, not sure that you're getting that. Hello, my name is Sandy, and I have, um, I guess, a question about something that you spoke about with the death penalty. And you said that if you take a life, you have to basically make up for that by taking their life. But what happens in the case where they are Christian and they've been saved and Jesus has taken away that sin. So does the government still have the authority to put them to death? Yes. Yeah, we're talking about two separate realms, two separate jurisdictions here. Jesus Christ forgiving somebody on death row Praise God for that. But that is in the spiritual realm. That is in the eternal realm. That does not release the individual from responsibilities, commitments, and debts to the realm of the government. I I feel your question because we've seen that, haven't we? Hey, but the dude got saved, and we should rejoice in that. But simultaneously, we should say, but— the government has been given the sword as a minister of God, and we should not try to stand in the way of that because there are still consequences even for forgiven sins. One eight seven seven two eight two. 282
1: Hello. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about cessationism versus continuationism.
2: Happy to do that. <laughs> cessationism, you hear the word cease. So revelation divine revelation, inspired, Holy Spirit-breathed revelation, it has ceased. Continuationism would say God is still speaking, and so you can receive a personal word from God, whether it is through a feeling, whether it is through a circumstance, whether it is a still small voice, God is still speaking. That is the difference between the two. Which one are you? Now, by the way, you could get into cessationism, continuationism with spiritual gifts. That gets a little bit more tricky because there are some spiritual gifts that continue, most certainly. But in my estimation, there are some that cease. So to say that you're a cessationist or a continuationist on spiritual gifts, is it's a little bit, uh, we'll just say sloppy. How do you determine which one you are? How do you figure out, am I a cessationist or am I a continuationist? I think we go to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be equipped for, here it comes, every good work. That is, if I might say, the clobber verse for cessationists. We've got everything we need in the Bible. Everything, it's, everything is there. Uh, information about Jesus, if you will, information about the church, information about life, information about decisions, information about emotions. It's all there. Now, it doesn't have algebra equations, but it's for all of life and godliness. So if we have absolutely everything we need in the Bible, do we need more? We don't. Now, could God speak to somebody today? He's not bound. He's not handcuffed. He could. But that just isn't the way the Bible presents God's communication in the church age. He's given us codified information, which is just the best. Second Peter 1. Peter is talking, maybe it's 2, he's talking about the transfiguration. 1. He's, he's hey, I, I saw Jesus. I, wow, amazing. And then Peter says, as good as that was, we've got a better thing. We've got a more sure word, what he was writing, inspired literature that you and I can read throughout the ages and understand what the original author intended to say to the original audience and then apply it to our lives. Furthermore, you could jump to the very last chapter of Revelation if anybody adds to this book. Now, I know it was just the book of Revelation, but we do know that the Bible is a whole book. Anybody who adds to that and says, got a new word, got a new revelation, John is really clear. That is a big nasty. So with those three verses, you've got to wrangle with those and then ask yourself the question, do those verses have any exceptions to them? Are there caveats? Are are? are and, and keep in mind the analogy of Scripture, because somebody might say, well, yeah, you've got that verse over there, which in the book of Acts. Okay, it seems a little unclear. So how do I understand that verse that is being used to say the continuationist position is correct? You interpret the unclear in light of the clear. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Reborn ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives?
0: That ultrasound changed everything for me, it really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed.
0: When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be
2: without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support Preborn Centers at preborn.org slash wretched, slash wretched.
1: Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges. Challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened.
2: For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local, global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church, but there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor. Or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Books of the Bible.
0: Galatians was written by Paul to the churches he planted in the region of Galatia, in modern-day Turkey, where a form of legalism was threatening the gospel. Paul insists that salvation is by grace through faith, and to rely on the law is to deny the gospel. In the gospel, God has once for all declared us righteous on the basis of Christ. This is Wretched Radio with
2: Todd Friel. Got something on your mind? Express yourself. This is Wretched Radio. One eight seven seven two eight two 282 beep. One eight seven seven two eight two 282 beep. The toll-free number where you can express. What song was that? Express yourself. Oh. You're a country guy. You should know what it is. Oh, never mind. 1-877-282. Hey, Todd, you were reading John MacArthur the other day uh, in terms of submitting the government, armed revolution and insurrection and all those things. Uh, No, we we shouldn't be doing that as Christians. And again, I know you say you've been reading articles where you read more of that, but no, no prominent
1: theonomists argue for that.
2: Uh, Let's just go back in time a little bit if you don't mind. Now, I don't know if during the Revolutionary War debate they would call themselves theonomists, but the majority of Protestant preachers, they did indeed promote, we should revolt, we should resist, we do need to cast off the oppressive monarchy of Great Britain. So there was a call for revolution in the late 18th century. Now, fast forward to today. Are there any people who, whatever their moniker is, that they are calling for that, I haven't. I haven't heard anybody say, "Come on, boys, get your firearms and let's go march." Haven't heard that. But perhaps this might be the best example of somebody who is a high-profile theonomist who has, I think, done more than hint at violent. Revolution. The name of the book very popular. So this would be a prominent source. Stephen Wolf, the Case for Christian Nationalism. I kept the review from Kevin DeYoung because he thoughtfully went through the book, and I happen to keep it right here in a big old stack of a lot of articles on Christian nationalism that I'm just holding for a bit. So this is Kevin DeYoung, and I. I believe we actually shared this long ago, but this is worth reminding us. He says, let me state my conclusion up front. I understand and sympathize with the desire for something like Christian nationalism. I I, I appreciate that because I think we all have this sense of everything is just yeah. And we just feel so passive in every regard. So he acknowledges that sense of frustration and continues. But if this book represents the best of that ism, then Christian nationalism isn't the answer our church or our nation needs. For all of the fine retrieval work that Wolfe does in parts of the book, going back to 16th century Puritans to talk about their attitude of church and state, etc. For all the fine retrieval work that he does, the overall project must be rejected. Now, here it comes. The message that ethnicities shouldn't mix, that's about page 450-something, "...that heretics can be killed, that violent revolution is already justified." Now, did he proclaim a call to arms? No. But if Kevin DeYoung's review is accurate, and I think he's a careful, thoughtful guy, he cites violent revolution already being justified in the book, The Case for Christian Nationalism, and that our nation needs is a charismatic Caesar-like leader to raise our consciousness and galvanize the will of the people. DeYoung concludes, it may bear resemblance to certain blood and soil nationalisms of the 19th and 20th centuries, but it's not a nationalism that honors and represents the name of Christ back to our beep talk. But
1: anyway, the other thing is you didn't put MacArthur in context of, no, MacArthur sued the state of California.
2: Yes, because that is an afforded, right. That is, oh, this is so important. So glad that you called, sir. John MacArthur's historical position has been submission to the government, but he's never said that you cannot avail yourself of the rights that are afforded to us. And one of those is through the judicial process. And so they availed themselves of that opportunity. They were successful. Praise God for that, because they didn't see it as an issue of we're going to fight you. They they, they weren't fighting the government. They were suing the government, which is not fighting. That's, that's, that's what we are told and allowed to do here in this nation, at least for now. And the reason they did it wasn't just because their nose was bent out of shape because the government in California was overbearing and oppressive and obnoxious and rather awful. Just saying, it's because they stuck their nose into the jurisdiction of the church. That's why, because when we understand that the government realm of authority is limited and it cannot come into the spiritual matters of the church, when they do, we have to say, I'm sorry, we're not going to revolt, rebel, or resist. But we are going to say we have to obey Christ, who is the head of the church, not Caesar. So, sir, I I agree with you. Yeah, they, they did file a lawsuit, but that wasn't rebellion. That was perfectly legal. Many people would say, oh, that wasn't being very submissive. He should have submitted more. But I applaud that he did that because that was encroachment on the church. Me too. So look at that. We actually have agreement, sir. If you disagree that we have agreement, call one eight seven seven two eight two beep. 282
1: Mr. For Real. I just wanted to tell you that I appreciated your
2: Francis Chan impression. Jimmy, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, I get the... F- it, so he wasn't doing an impression of Francis Chan. No, no, no. I smell that he was doing an impression of me.
1: Imitation. It's, it's flattering. Boy, I oughta- <laughs> Sister, Mr. Mr. Friel. I
2: just wanted to tell you that I appreciated your Francis Chan impression. Sir, I have no idea what you're talking about. We would do well to acknowledge that you did a mm, bang
1: up job. Well done, Jimmy. How do you? <laughs> well okay,
2: <done>. so <laughs> he's over-articulating me, which I tend to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I impersonate Francis Chan. <laughs> I, you don't get loud with Francis, and you just kind of turn up the wine a little bit. What's your name and number, sir? Seven seven two eight two. A beep. Mister Frill, I have a question for you.
1: I have just recently gotten married, and I'm Congrats. having a hard time leading as a husband.
2: Hold the phone, Henrietta. This is a dude. You say, no, he's struggling. That means he's weak. I say, no, he's wise because a wise man who identifies, I don't know that I'm doing this well, and who is willing to call what sounds like would be an older adult who apparently articulates everything just a little bit too much for some people's tastes. (laughs) That's a guy right there. Um, I'm 23. I've been married for about seven months. Now, you know, wait, wait, wait! Now he's a, now he's a super 23. If you're under 23, aspire to be that guy. To, to recognize, hey, I'm I'm relatively young, and anybody who is older knows more than I do. That's a fact. They just know more about life, and it's the fool who says I'm not going to talk to old people. It's the wise person that seeks and listens to instruction. And if you're over 23, come on. Let's be encouraged by this young man.
1: Leading feels very foreign and very strange, especially in prayer. Um, I was wondering if you had any tips or any knowledge that you could offer up on being a husband
2: and trying to leave um, a young family. Dude, way to go. Seriously, you just took the first biggest step. All right, this is new. And this is big and this is important. So I need to ask as many people as I possibly can, how do I do this? And you should ask a lot of people because this isn't a one size all fits all. Your personality, how you communicate, how, just, just your overall demeanor, what your skills are. They're all going to look a little bit different. Assume the posture of leadership. Be careful of the do this like this, do this like that. Assume the posture. You recognize this is my role. This is my responsibility that God has assigned to me. So I want to figure out the best way for me to do that in this home. And let's start with prayer. I mean it. Get a copy of Face to Face, Praying the Scriptures with Ken Boa. I get it. Look, I do too. We pray before we eat. And that's you, you, OK. How many different ways can you say thanks for the food? Now you can incorporate some other stuff. You know, I'll, so it's like, Lord, thank you for the food. Thank you that Jimmy didn't biff it today. Amen. You know, stuff like it's like you kind of run out of things. Right, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. Something like that. OK. <laughs> it can be hard. Get a help. This book will pray the scriptures and you can just lead your, honey, let's get together every day at this particular time, because this is what works for us. And and I'm just going to lead us through these prayers. And she can pray too, by the way, you can do that together and it will guide you through it. Get yourself a MacArthur study Bible. If you don't have one, get one. And by the way, if you want to send one to the Philippines, you can do that. We're getting close to 10,000 y'all please consider sending a MacArthur Study Bible to our brothers and sisters overseas. You can do that at wretched.org slash Bible. I really, really would encourage you to do so. You're going to bring so much joy to a believer in the Philippines, wretched.org slash Bible. Crack yours open, sir. Go through one book at a time and just do a paragraph at a time, whatever works for you, and read the footnotes as you go. Enthusiastically take your wife to church. And as you assume that posture, you are leading them Spiritually, and let me just say, on behalf of the tens and tens of people over the age of 23, dude, well done. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.